0: Hey and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen.
1: One thing that I love doing is I love scaring her. I love scaring my wife. And one of the easiest ways to do that is anytime she walks in front of our car you know, I'd, obviously I don't do it when she's carrying Easton because there's times that she would probably throw him in the air, but I'll tell the kid, I'll say, y'all watch, y'all watch, watch, watch. And right when she gets in front of the bumper, and usually she screams and I won't tell you what all else she does, but anyway, scares her to death. But there was one time that I will never forget. It was like the highlight of my scaring career. It was in our old house. Our bedroom was upstairs and at the very end of the hallway, there was a pile of laundry, And you're gonna hear, I mean, you'll recognize how big this pile of laundry was. I mean, I'm not a big guy, but there's a mound of laundry at the very end of the hallway. So I get the bright idea. This is gonna be beautiful. So guess what I did? I got in it. Like I laid in it, I covered up in it. And so she comes down the hallway and I resurrected from this pile of laundry. And I will not repeat anything that she said um, because we are in a holy place. um, But I love scaring her. I love scaring her and, and many of you can go back in your life and you can, you can think of times that you were scared. I think as a teenager, you know, when we all went through the, the, the period of our life where we loved pranking people, how many of you, I don't even want to say that, how many of you rolled yards? Raise it high. Be proud of it. You're here, you're not still, you're not in prison, but can you remember when you rolled yards and then all of a sudden a kitchen light came on? Or a floodlight came on. I mean, you all remember. it was Because back in those days, there were no motion detectors. Okay, so when a light came on, it meant that somebody knew. Somebody was awake. Either the roll of toilet paper hit the top of the house. They heard you laughing. But for whatever reason, the lights came on and it completely changed everything. You were scared out of your mind. And so when I was thinking about this, you hear how sick and twisted my mind is. When I started thinking about the shepherds, that night that the angel appeared with the glory of the Lord, something changed. Something changed that that completely turned their world upside down. And I want us to look at that this morning. Turn to Luke chapter 2. We're gonna read a good bit this morning just from the Christmas story, so you could probably all stand and recite it if you wanted to. Um, but we're gonna look at these shepherds. I know that we've been talking the last several weeks about how God is prepared to use us and how God prepares us for Christmas. How many of you are thankful that that preparation season, well, for the most part, is almost over? Like, we don't have to prepare anymore. Now we get to sort of slow down. Yeah, right. But the lights are hung I would say the presents are bought, but I we all know they're not. You're praying to God that Amazon shows up on time this week. Um, but I want us to read as to how God prepared to use the men like these shepherds. Luke chapter two, we're gonna read verses eight through 20. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them The angel's there, right? But now look what else. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born to you a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. Verse 15, when the angel had gone away from them to heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry And they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as they lie in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about this child. And all who had heard it wondered at the things which were told to them by these shepherds. But Mary treasured all the things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying, praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them. Now, I think we can all relate to their response. We can all relate to the fact that as a result of what they had seen, as a result of how ultimately God showed up in their life, it it literally scared them to death. And the reason we know that it scared them to death is, well, the Bible tells us that they were scared. But then also the first statement from the angel's mouth was, do not be afraid. Or some of your Bibles may say, Don't fear. Now, interesting enough, if you remember as the last couple of weeks, we've talked about Mary and Joseph. What was the very same thing the angel first said to Mary and Joseph? Don't be afraid. Do not fear. That was the very same statement that he said to Mary and Joseph that he said to these shepherds. Now, one thing that we notice is different it's not, was it just a, a, a revelation of this angel? But when this angel shows up to these shepherds, there was something added. It said that the glory of the Lord shone about the angel. So we see that there was something more magnificent. There was something more extravagant. And you may ask the question, well, what? What is the glory of the Lord? What is the glory of the Lord? This angel was there, but it also sees that the angel was accompanied by the glory of the Lord. Well, I want us to look back to the Old Testament. In several places where we see the glory of the Lord was mentioned. And so if you look on the screen, we see in Exodus chapter 24, verse 17, it says, and to the eyes of the Son of Israel, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop. Then we look in the book of Ezekiel. I want you to turn there. It says, as the appearance of the rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the surrounding radiance. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard a voice speaking. Then looking in the New Testament in the gospel of Matthew, it says, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them And behold, a voice out of the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And so we see that the glory of the Lord would be referenced to this this grand entrance or this, this light, this illumination. And so when I think about that, I think about what was just probably awing to these men. Here they are doing their normal thing and then all of a sudden, not only does an angel show up, but the glory of the Lord accompanied this angel. A brightness, a consuming fire, a light. Now, I know I often say that I'm a very practical guy. And so when I read about Mary and Joseph and the appearance of the angel. Then all of a sudden I see this added element of extravagance that was added to the angel when he appeared to the shepherds. I just have to ask the question, why? Why was the angel not enough? Why did the angel have to be accompanied by such a magnificent presence of of the glory of the Lord? And so I start asking questions just in my own mind of of what was the point? Sure, it could be representation that the baby had been born and that the glory of the Lord had arrived, that that God in the flesh had come in the form of a baby and this could have been it, but, but could there be different meanings? Could there be a different reason as to why this angel was accompanied with such extravagance? And so what I want to do today is sort of look at some of the, I I guess the clues you could say, some of the evidence that helped me sort of answer some of these questions in my own mind. Now listen, what I'm going to share with you today is is I want you to kind of have a different mindset. Let's just sort of picture that instead of me standing up in a pulpit on the stage addressing a congregation, if I can just sort of ask you to step inside my living room. And this is just kind of coffee talk. This is kind of us just sitting around pondering the things of God and thinking about. So, so the things that I'm gonna share with you today is, is mere speculation of things that I feel like God has shown me in my heart. So don't go out of here thinking that there's some theological takeaway from this. This is just how, how God has wired me. This is just how God has sort of revealed himself to me. And it's, it's just a way that I feel like God answered some of these questions to me. Why did the angel have to be accompanied by such such a presence that got the attention of the shepherds? Well, if we look back at Mary and Joseph, we see that Mary was 13, 14 years old, and she was referenced by the angel as the favored one. Then we see that Joseph, we know what his title was. He was declared righteous. He's He's a righteous man. And so already we see that there's a difference because there's some facts that we also know about the shepherds. And if we're real, real honest, the, the idea of being favored or righteous men was not in that category. You see, shepherds in this context would have been considered outcasts of the Jewish custom. Their their profession, their job would have, have literally declared them ceremonially unclean, meaning that they weren't welcomed into the tabernacle. They weren't welcomed into the synagogue because they were quote unquote unclean by Jewish law. So the hard truth behind that is these shepherds had a reputation or a stigma that they weren't accepted by church people because of the life that they lived, because of their job. They looked different. They smelled different. They talked different. You know, I had a conversation with with an individual that's a member of a church, not anywhere around here, but they were beginning to make plans for their church. And as they were getting ready to make some change, one of the key leaders in the room made the statement, these changes that we're making are for us in here, not for the people out there. So I think that parallels exactly the the picture that's being painted about these shepherds, that they would not have been welcomed into church because of the way they looked because of the way they smelled, because of the way they talked. Matter of fact, they were sometimes even lumped into the category of of the prostitutes and and tax collectors. That's how shepherds were looked at. And so we see that Mary, Joseph, and these shepherds, they they all had a stigma. They all had a reputation. But what's interesting is that when the angel appeared, when the The angel addressed all of them. What was the first thing the angel told all three of them? Don't fear. Don't fear, don't be afraid. Now, Mary and Joseph, they probably had their own reasons to fear God because God was about to use them to do the miraculous. I mean, here's a lady that's about to give birth to the son of God. Here's a man, Joseph, who who was gonna have to stick with his wife when he's just gotta trust the Lord because he knows that baby, that child is not his. And so they were fearful of what God was leading them into. But the deeper we look into the shepherd's life, they were probably fearful for many other reasons. And here's what I mean. When we begin to look at, at the context, now I understand that there's some shepherds that, that didn't fit this role. There's some shepherds that, that live differently, but for the most part, we can stereotype the shepherds by that the scholars believe that most of them had just sort of given up on God. They had struggled to follow the Jewish law. They had struggled to follow all of the rules. And they had finally gotten to a point where they just said, you know what? I give up. I'm gonna give up. So they've struggled to be good enough. They've they've struggled to cross all the T's and dot all the I's like we as Christians are supposed to. And many scholars believe that They had finally gotten to the point. They said, you know what? I just give up. I can't be good enough. And there's no way that this God that we talk about can love me. And so they've just thrown in the towel they're not even attempting to live for God anymore. And so here we've got Mary who's favored, we've got Joseph who is righteous, and we've got shepherds who are rebellious. And so in my simple mind, I begin to evaluate that scenario, those situations, and I'm like, okay, you got Mary who's favored, you got Joseph who's righteous, and now you've got the shepherds who are the rebels, Could the reason that God accompanied the angel with the glory of the Lord is because he knew that it was going to take more to get their attention? If you think back on your life, did it take something extravagant happening in your life? Did it take some tragedy? Did it take you being at the bottom of the pit? Did it take something just earth shattering for God to get your attention? Or maybe it was just as simple as the Holy Spirit prompting you. Maybe you were kind of like a Mary and Joseph that it didn't take a whole lot. I mean, I I was 12 years old when God saved me. Yes, I was a sinner on my way to hell, but I wasn't living a rebellious life yet as a 12-year-old. So it didn't take a whole lot to get my attention other than the Holy Spirit revealing to me that I was a sinner that needed to be saved by grace through faith. But I'm pretty sure that if we went around the room and we we shared our redemption story, that there's some of you that it took something extravagant to get your attention, to open your heart and your eyes to the salvation that Jesus had for you. But I don't know about where you're at. I don't know what your story is. But one thing I do know that we can all relate to is aren't we thankful that God's pursuit of us was not influenced by our location? physically or spiritually. That God's pursuit of us was not based off how good we were, if we were favored, if we were righteous, or if we were rebels. God's pursuit of us was based off his love for you. And that's it. And so I think instead of really worrying about, because I know that was a big question that I wanted answered, but the reality is, does the answer really matter? No, no. Does it really matter why God accompanied this angel with the glory of the Lord? No, but I think the takeaway from that is that we can get a glimpse of God's heart in the pursuit of people, no matter what their condition is, no matter where they're at, no matter if they're trying to figure this Christianity thing out, or no matter if they could even care less about it. You know, and I'm sure we could, and I wish we had time just to open the microphone because the truth is, is we could go around and people share testimony of how God has met people in their deepest addiction. How God met people while they were, actively wallowing in sin or, or how God has met people in their, rebel, in their rebellion when at the end of the day, that individual had no intention of even attempting to live for God. But out of nowhere, the light of the world showed up and changed everything. The light of the world showed up and changed everything. And it's as he announced what Jesus said, I've come to give you life And to give it to you abundantly. And so that's the very reason that that I believe with everything in me, these angels had the first words out of his mouth to these shepherds was do not fear. Because I think it was almost as if these shepherds were fearful for a whole nother reason. Almost like they got caught with their hand in the cookie jar. Almost like it's that moment of busted. But God showed up. And in their mind, they see this, this almighty God. They see the glory of the Lord. And in their sin, they felt very unworthy to be in the presence of something absolutely mind-blowing. And so the angel basically says, hey, don't fear, don't panic. And I wondered, did they hear in their spirit the, even the words of this baby? You know we always hang our hat on john three sixteen and we're never going to get over sharing that, but oftentimes we stop at sixteen but verse seventeen says i didn't come to the world to condemn the world but to save the world so I wonder was that what the 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 the, the shepherds were fearing this holy and this righteous God has he come to condemn me has he come to to slap me on the wrist. Has he come to punish me? And I think that that's why the angel said, very quickly, "Do not fear. Don't panic. Because we've come with the gospel, and that gospel is good tidings. That gospel is good news that the son of God is here. He's been sent to you not to condemn you, but to save you. So don't fear. Don't worry. He's not come to slap you on the wrist. He's come to grab you by the hand. He's come to grab you by the hand. Because at this point, we can see that the shepherds, they've done nothing to be qualified to be used by God. The angel is actually reaching to the bottom rung of the ladder in the social and the spiritual world. And the thing that I learned from this is that even in the context of coming to the shepherds, we realize very quickly that there's no one, absolutely no one that God doesn't want to save. No one that God doesn't want to save. H.E. Ironside, or H.A. Ironside says this, There are good tidings, good news for all people, not just the elect, not just a limited number, but for all people, all men everywhere are invited to put their trust in the Savior whom God has sent into the world. Aren't you thankful that salvation is a whosoever will salvation? Aren't you thankful that he came to save us all? Aren't you thankful that he came to extend that invitation to everyone, not just a hand-selected few, but it's for anyone and all? That's the very thing that the angel announced. When he appeared to the shepherds, he says, I bring to you good news of great joy which will be for all people. Now, if it was for not for all people, I'm sure they would have said it. They have come to give you good news just for a certain select few of folks. That ain't really good news at all, is it? Because then you have to wonder, well, am I one of those or not? And that's why we believe that the Son of God was sent to save all. Whosoever will believe. You know, when we think about the life of Jesus, it's just mind-blowing. That even before his birth, even before he was physically born, that Jesus made a career of just pulling people out. Even while still in his mother's womb, he was bringing people out. Mary, she was brought out of Nazareth. Joseph was brought out of Nazareth. And now we have the shepherds who were being brought out of a heart of complacency and darkness. Even a little baby had the influence to pull these shepherds out of darkness. Probably in a place where they were tempted to think, you know what, this is all there is to life and then we're just gonna die like everybody else. This is all there is. And so I want you to think in your heart today, in your mind, what has God brought you out of? What has precious baby Jesus brought you out of? What current condition were you in when the Holy Spirit of God revealed himself to you? Where were you at? What were you doing? You remember when that stirring began? You remember when that invitation was offered? You probably dealt with fear because in your mind you're like, oh no, I've never felt this way, I've never felt this love, I don't understand this, this doesn't make sense. And as I told you, even as a 12-year-old boy, I remember when the Holy Spirit started gripping my heart and inviting me in, my heart was pounding out of my chest. I was sweating. My hands were clammy because I didn't understand it. I didn't understand how a God could love me that way. And I knew that the Spirit of God was inviting me into something that I didn't fully understand. But then I realized, you know what, I don't have to understand it all. All God's inviting me to do is now trust him. And that's something I think I can do, is trust him. And so I know that we always talk about Jesus pulling us out of things from darkness to light, but you do realize that even as a follower of Christ, if you've been saved already, that's the beautiful thing of Christ is he never stops pulling us out of things. Even as his children, he never stops pulling us out of situations, out of circumstances, giving us the strength to sustain through the times that we want to give up, that we want to throw in the towel. And maybe that's you this morning, even as a follower of Christ, you know you've been saved. But maybe you've been through a season where you've slipped back into addiction where maybe your marriage is in turmoil, maybe you've made some decisions that you're now having to pay the consequences. What I want you to hear, even as a child of God, always be reminded of what the angel said, do not fear. Don't be afraid. Because Jesus is gonna continue to pull you out. He's gonna continue to pull you through. So even as a child of God, there's still good news to be heard. If he can snatch our soul from eternal damnation and hell, how do we not think that he can pull us through an earthly situation that we're walking through right now? Don't ever forget. Don't ever forget the words of the angels to these shepherds. And I think it's what God wants all of us to hear today. Don't fear. You stay faithful to the one who saved you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, maybe you feel like one of these shepherds. You don't fit the stereotype of what a church person looks like. Can I tell you, church, that needs to be the heart of our church? is that we want people walking in this room that look different, that smell different, that talk different. That's what we want because we know that that's who God wants to save. I pray that people show up that doesn't fit the stereotype of Chestnut Mountain people because those are the very ones that God wants to save. We don't care how they talk. We don't care how they walk. We don't care how they're dressed. That's the very ones that we wanna see. Because that's the one thing that's always humbling to me is don't you love it when God saves people, listen, that even Christians have given up on? Don't you love when God saves people that even Christians have given up on? There's nothing, there's no one that God doesn't wanna save. He wants to redeem you, he wants to rescue you, he wants to restore you, and I've said it a thousand times, he wants to use that redemption story, but in order to have a redemptive story, you've gotta let him redeem you. In order to have a redemption story, You've got to let him redeem you. Because you see, I believe that that's the story of these shepherds. God could have chosen the religious elite to be the messengers of this great news. He could have chosen the upstanding citizens. But instead, he chose shepherds who we don't even know their name. You do realize that? These men that carried the most miraculous news to mankind, we don't even know their name. Are we willing for God, for people to not know our name? Because like I said earlier, I can promise you if we fast forward 2,000 more years, and dear Lord, I hope we're still not here, which I won't be, but y'all know what I'm saying. There's no doubt in my mind some 2,000 years later, we're still gonna be singing about the one name. We're still gonna be singing about Jesus. You know, I love their response. When the angel invited them, the angel told them to go to the city and see this baby wrapped in cloth. We see that this wasn't a whole lot of discussion going on verse 16. So they came in a hurry. They came in a hurry. And so as the God of our salvation extends an invitation, if he's extended the invitation to you, did did you come in a hurry? Did you come in a hurry when God invited you into that relationship? Do you remember when God invited you You know, as we often look back and you often think about the things and as I was preparing this, I I couldn't help but be reminded of the people. For some reason, God allows me to see people respond in a hurry. For some reason, God has allowed me to step into people's life and to see the process of God revealing himself to them. And I love when it gets to that point that once they realize that they have been invited to a relationship with God, that they don't have to understand it all. And I get to see them respond in a hurry. I think about just even in this room, I think about the Chucks, I think about Danny. I think about Alice and I think about the Ryans. And I know he'll probably be angry with me, but he didn't get over it. But I'll never forget Ryan Taylor, a man that his wife had prayed for him for years. And I remember that morning, the, the Holy Spirit got a hold of him. Now I know his wife would say, well, he sure didn't hurry. I prayed for years, but I can promise you when the light came on, he was sitting right back there. And I remember, I thought he was gonna tackle me when he got to the stage and he, he was shivering and with sheer determination and tears, he says, I'm ready, I'm ready. He came in a hurry. And then when you go outside and look on the wall, Under the love first. You see Ryan coming up out of the waters with his hand raised with excitement. But for some reason, God allows me to constantly see these redemption stories of people coming in a hurry. There's somebody here today that you need to come in a hurry. You need to come and you need to come quickly. You know, again, and step into my simple mind. If your house is on fire and the fireman shows up to the door, are you gonna say, hey, hold on just a minute. Let me go get some things straightened up. Let me clean up. The kids have made a mess. Now keep in mind, your house is burning. Are you gonna delay the entrance of the one who's there to take care of business? No, you're gonna humbly get out of the way and allow him to do what he's been sent to do. The truth is, is some of you need to get out of the way and allow the savior of the world into your life to do what he came to do. Don't delay Don't delay what he wants to do in your life. He wants to rescue, restore, and redeem you. And then once we experience that salvation, once these shepherds had seen the Savior, once they had saw that it was truth, I love the fact that they couldn't shut up We read that in verse 18 and it says, all who heard wondered at the things which they were told to them by these shepherds. Now that word wondered, that's a whole nother topic of discussion. You know, many say that, that the people just simply wondered at the arrival of Jesus. This is not how they had envisioned the savior of the world showing up. Again, Jesus didn't fit the stereotype either. But oftentimes, a lot of scholars believe that people were more awestruck at who was delivering the information. They wondered, how in the world are these guys the ones who are telling us such good news? How are these guys the ones who are responsible for delivering this salvation message that the Messiah is here. And that brings me to the point of, how many times have, have you been in church or have you heard of stories where God saves people that you knew their past? that you've seen that redemption story, that you've seen the transformation that only God can bring to people and it literally leaves us scratching our head. But those are the very people that God wants to use. But we see that the shepherds, they, after they experienced Jesus, after they saw the truth, The Bible says they quickly went back. They hurried to see him, and then they went back. They went back to their hometown. And they began to tell what had happened and who had came. Are we going back? Are we telling people of our redemptive story are we telling people of what Christ has, has extended and offered to us? And you know, today, as I was sharing this morning, this is about the simplest gospel message you will ever hear. You know, to the Jews, the simplicity of the gospel was offensive because they had worked so hard to earn God's love. And then God's going to use an old, nasty, stinking shepherd? Wait a minute. Shouldn't it be using me because of what I've done? And so I know without a doubt, there's somebody here this morning that you can relate very closely to these shepherds. Maybe your lifestyle, maybe your past, you may not think you live up to a certain criteria. What I want you to hear today is as you're sitting there in the invitation and the Holy Spirit is extending that, you may feel very uncomfortable. You may feel very unworthy. You may have the thoughts of there's no way that God can save me, there's no way that God can use me. I want to echo the words of the angel today don't fear. Don't fear. Because that conviction, that burden that maybe God is revealing to you, you need to hear the very reason that Jesus was sent. He's not convicting you right now to condemn you. He's convicting you right now so that you'll run to him. He didn't come to condemn the world, but he came to save the world. And you know who that salvation's for? All. All. It doesn't matter your religious background. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't, honestly, doesn't even matter about your present. But if the Spirit of God is inviting you, I pray that you respond like these shepherds You hurry. Come on. Hurry. Or maybe this morning, you're a child of God. You say, Brian, I've already been saved, but but God, God, I've fallen back into addiction and I'm sorry I've let you down. God, I've made a mess of my marriage. God, I've corrupted my children. I think you need to hear the same words today too. Don't fear. Don't fear, he didn't come to condemn you. He came to continually save you. He came to continually pull you through, to pull you out of. And maybe as a child of God, you need to simply fall on your face today and just thank him for that redemption story. Thank him for what he's already done.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.